0: Hello and welcome to the Doctor Nurse Mama show, Prescribing Hope for Healthy Families here on American Family Radio. Here's your host, Professor Pediatric Nurse Practitioner and Mama 4, Dr. Jessica Peck.
1: Well, hello friends, happy Tuesday, wherever you are. I hope you are having a great week. It looks in my part of the woods that spring is on the way and I'm definitely enjoying the warmer weather. And I know for my friends up North, it's coming, it's coming, surely it's coming, but I am just anxious for all things spring and to see the trees blooming again and the grass turning green and just all of those things. I love the seasons and we talk on this show about a lot of seasons of parenting, and we'll be talking about a lot of those seasons today, including younger kids, and I am just beyond delighted to have one of my favorite people on the planet back on the show today. We've got Lauren Gaines. Now, she's a writer, a teacher, a mom, And she's creator of Inspired Motherhood, a thriving online community for moms to find practical tools to raise spiritually and emotionally healthy kids. Now, Lauren has a master's degree in school psychology and experience teaching undergraduate psychology, but she is... A busy mom of three, and she and her husband live in Pennsylvania with their kiddos. She is the author of Unshakable Kids: Three Keys to Raising Spiritually Strong and Emotionally Healthy Children. If you missed her uh, her appearance before on the show when she talked about her book, we had a deep dive into Unshakable Kids, and let me tell you, it is so incredibly encouraging. And you need to get a copy of it for sure. But Lauren, welcome back to the show. We're so happy to have you.
0: Thank you so much, Jessica. It it really is just a pleasure every time I talk to you. So I'm just honored to be here today.
1: Well, I am honored to have you back. Well, we want to know how are things going with the book? Tell us all the news about Unshakeable Kids.
0: Yes, and thank you for such the the sweet introduction. It has just been, I mean, you know, like a roller coaster <laughs> ride that is crazy, but it is just so cool. I guess like some big not not that it's huge news, but bigger news that I got recently was a local sports network. So they have like a basketball league, soccer and baseball, they got a hold of my book, and they loved it. And they wanted to start using it as like their core book for the year to create little devotionals for each practice. And I had to work with Baker was amazing, my publisher to get permissions and everything. But it's so cool to see that these brain builders that I wrote in the book to really give parents like practical tools and helping their kids you know, learn how to take their thoughts captive and how to practice metacognition, they're going to be using them with kids in their practices. And I'm like, that is just so cool, God. Thank you.
1: I think that is amazing. And for our listeners, let me read you a a little description of part of this book, because I think if you missed it, or even if you didn't, this will resonate with you very deeply. Now, listen and tell me if you don't relate to this as a parent. Adversity is a normal part of life. And when we keep our children too protected, we rob them of the opportunity to learn and practice essential life skills like discernment understanding, boldness, and resilience. And so Lauren, I love that you give tools in this book to equip kids for discernment and for resilience and to be bold because we have so much conversation going on in the world today about we're raising kids that are too soft. Honestly, that's what people say, right? Like we're, it's kind of, I think we've talked about this before about the pendulum, like for a while in the eighties, when I was growing up, it was just, basically a parenting strategy was summed up in three words and that was suck it up. Like, that's just it. Like just <laughs> yeah. go on. And now it feels like, you know, we've maybe swung the pendulum far, a, a little far the other way. What What are your thoughts on that, Lauren?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I saw, I think it was like a parody reel on Instagram where the child was upset and they were like laying on the floor at the grocery store and the mom laid on the floor too. And was like, tell me your feelings. And, <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle because, you know, with my background in psychology, I think feelings are important. I think it's positive for kids to learn how to identify what they're feeling and to know how to move away from those uncomfortable feelings. But at the same time, I think that, you know, feelings aren't king. Feelings aren't everything. They're fleeting. We're going to feel one way and it might not even be accurate. And so I think we need to really give our kids some education on that and then also, not constantly save them, give them chance to struggle a little because sadly, I don't, I don't want to be in the valley. I don't want to be in the wilderness. You know, no one does, but that's where we learn these lifelong skills. And so I think because we don't want to see our children in distress, we save them right away, but that's not really giving them the skills they need then to go out into the world and face adversity because, because they're going to at some point.
1: Well, one of the things that I love that you have in your book, you give two tools. They're called Brain Builders and Faith formers because it is so important you know our thoughts go hand in hand with our feelings and all of this is framed by our faith and it can be really overwhelming for us as parents to feel like okay we have a responsibility for all the things like we need to make sure that they're thinking the right things and that they're not too anxious and not too scared and not too bold and we need to make sure that their feelings are balanced you know that they're not too uh you know too wild on the feeling swing but not too restrained they need to express them and all in their faith. How do you use these tools, brain builders and faith formers as practical tools for parents today?
0: Yeah, because, oh my goodness, even just you listing all that, I'm like, that is exhausting. Parents, we have so much (laughs) on our plates, right? And it's... Like, we just feel like we're going to make one wrong move, and we're going to scar our kids for life. And Uh thankfully, there's grace and mercy, and God helps us fill in the gaps. But yes, I wanted it to be—I know moms are busy, and so I wanted to make sure that in each chapter, there were things that they could just, like, take away and use right away. And so there's these little breakout boxes, which would be brain builders or faith formers, and it's going to give parents— or teachers or whoever, really practical tips of like, use this conversation starter or look this scripture up and ask yourself these questions. And hopefully it's just going to get people in God's word and practical ways to walk out some of these theories and principles that we see in the word. But like, what does that look like in real life? And I can tell you, I actually did quite a few of these brain builders with my kids and tweaked them because of, I was like asking them the questions. And so that's, this is the one area where really I'm getting the most feedback. Parents are really liking it and really Mm -hmm. using it, which again is just so cool. I'm like, God, you are just so amazing that these things you've given me, like it's really helping people. I think that's one of the biggest blessings of writing a book.
1: I agree with that. And you and I have talked before how we're kind of bookends, you know, you have so many great tips for younger kids and my book focused on the older kids, but man, we are always learning as parents. And one of the things that we're doing here on the Dr. Nurse Mama show, Lauren, as you know, is we're having 52 Habits for healthy parenting. And every single week, we're introducing a new habit. And I'm really into what I call habit stacking, not just, oh, these are 52 distinct, discrete habits and 52 new things that you have to do this year, but they're things that we can put into our daily routine. And when you look at the average screen time for the average adult, that is nine hours a day. Okay. Nine hours a day. That is a full-time job. And we have some margin. We do have margin, but we're so distracted. And I think that even for us as adults, you know, going through social media, we are training our brains to have a 90 second attention span. And that's, that's really, really difficult to do. And it can be destructive when we're trying to cultivate relationships because we can't, Cultivate relationships in 90-second parenting clips. Like, that's just not going to (laughs) work. And our habit for this week, I have not introduced it yet, so we'll talk about it today, but our habit today uh, for this week is a daily devotional. Now, just to review and recap for everybody catching up, we've talked so far about prayer, memorizing scripture, which is different from what we're talking about today. That's hiding God's Word in your heart, plugging into a local church, listening to christian or worship music practicing gratitude listening with your face having a bedtime routine and sleep hygiene and we're talking about daily devotional now this is something where you just are spending time in God's Word, reading, praying, it could be reading a devotional book, there's apps you could have, there's books that you could have, but just an intentional time where your heart, your thoughts, your attitude, your posture is focused on the Lord. Now, I have a lot of people who will say, oh, I do that at night before I go to bed because it just settles my heart and my mind. It helps me sleep. I have people that say I can't start my day without doing that, but it is so important to do because again, just setting our hearts and our minds and attention in that way really is going to transform our parenting because we know we cannot do it on our own. And the, one of the things I was excited to talk to you about today, Lauren, and I know we've talked about it before, but it is worth revisiting because the trailer video for your book, which I loved is so funny and so relatable. And it shows you having a worship time or devotional time together with your kids. And things did not turn out so well. So I would love for you to share that story with us and then what you've learned along the way about having that family devotional time together.
0: Yes, for sure. It does make me smile even just thinking about it because I think it's so relatable and this really happens. So my husband is in medicine and at the time he was working a job where he would work seven days in a row. So we were on that seventh day. It, you know, it feels sometimes like you're being a single mom <laughs> and my kids were sick. So we're like, okay, we're just going to stay home from church. And I was like, we're I, this is going to be great. Like I had a playlist of songs I wanted to do. I had like a little devotion, you know, all the things I was so excited. And then things never go according to plan. No. And you think I would know that by now <laughs> as a parent, but I didn't that morning and we were singing and they were starting to argue because they wanted to bring out the instruments and I was like, okay, fine. And then it's like, oh, I want this one. No, he took it. And it's just like, I lost it. And just was like, we are supposed to be praising Jesus. And I think I screamed it at them and I, they just like totally ruined the mood, you know? And it was like, okay, this was not what I thought this was going to be. And so, I think I do write about this more in my book, but I, I think there's a time and a place, right, for having devotional time. I think it's so important individually for us. Like I have to get up in the morning and do it. And not even just as like a check done. Okay, I did it for the day now. like Not like as a good luck charm of like, okay, I did it. Now everything's <laughs> going to go good. But like I need the strength from Jesus, right? Um, But I think too with our families, there's something that I've noticed is, It naturally seems to be happening now where my kids are, like, asking questions. The other day at breakfast, they were like, I don't even know how we got on the topic, but they were like, wait, you mean there are people who have jobs and they use their money for bad, like they're not good? And it's just so funny to see that my kids are ten, eight, and almost 5. They still have this somewhat naive view of the world, and Mm -hmm. so they think everyone's really good and everyone loves Jesus because that's what we do, right? And So we took them to the scripture and I was like, in, I think it's in somewhere in either first or second Timothy about how the root of all evil or the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. And so I found it to have the, some of our best Bible moments just come from natural application. Like they're asking a question and I'm like, Hey, the Bible talks about that. And instead of having a planned study, which again, I think there's a time and place for both, but I found some of the most impactful ones are when we're really just walking out what Deuteronomy 6 says of, like, talk to your children about these things in your home when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're waking up. That's when the Bible becomes alive and the kids are like, wow, like, the Bible really does that give us a roadmap for life.
1: It really does. And, you know, it's so interesting to see how things progress. When our kids were little, we had family devotional time pretty consistently. And we would just use a little guide and something short and sweet because what I've discovered, Lauren, is that consistency is really, honestly, more important than quality. I mean, yes, we want to have those great experiences where every day, you know, we're having some sort of spiritual breakthrough or, you know, it goes beautifully. <laughs> yeah. But life is just not like that. And we have have to deal with bad attitudes and, you know, sports games and fights between siblings and all of those kinds of things. And I think it's just important for us to say that. I mean, Lauren, you and I are both authors. We're both telling parents how to do this and we are still figuring it out and saying it's okay to struggle with that. But one of the things now that I see is so great is my kids have now taken that on as their own. They're all teenagers and young adults and they have a devotional by their bed and I know that they're going to read it. Some of them read it at night. Some of them read it in the morning when they get up. But to see that habit that we sowed, that seed that we sowed so long ago, now bearing fruit is just so gratifying. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about Lauren's new devotional guide called Jesus Calls Me Friend, a guide to help kids build intimate relationships with God. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 thousand babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband had decided they never wanted kids. And when she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life. Her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful and Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com.
0: You're listening to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show with Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio.
1: Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to my conversation with my friend, Lauren Gaines. She's a writer, a teacher, a mother, and creator of Inspired Motherhood. You really need to check out her community. We'll have her tell you where you can find her on the internet, on Instagram, on Facebook, but she personally encourages me as a mom all the time. And we have been talking about 52 Habits for Healthy Parenting, and this week's habit is Having a daily devotional. So, before the break, I was sharing that it's been really gratifying to see my teens and young adults have this as a very deeply ingrained habit. And not in a legalistic way or to check the box or to say, you know, oh, I do that. Let me get some spiritual brownie points. It's not like that at all. It's just an essential lifeline for encouragement. And one of the things that happened when my oldest daughter went off to college was her church participates in a daily Bible reading. Plan. And she shared that with me and my husband. And it's been great because we all ask each other about it, and it's a good way honestly, to hold each other accountable. Because if you'll say, man, that that passage in Ezekiel this morning, like there was some stuff I have questions about. And if I haven't read it, then they know it because then I can't join the conversation. But it is really great to be able to have that connection with her even while she's off at college. So Lauren, you have a new devotional guide called Jesus Calls Me Friend, a guide to help kids build intimate relationships with God. Tell us all about it. We want to know all the things. Yes, for
0: sure. So I am so excited to write more. I do miss writing and I wanted to talk about this because I feel like in kind of self-help books, which our books are kind of like giving practical tools, right? We can sometimes start to become a bit legalistic or like okay, this is all I need. And then my kids are going to do X, Y, Z. And I was like, I don't want people to miss out on the heart transformation that really needs to happen when we connect with God, because we can have our kids behave like Christians, right? They can say please and thank you. They can not melt down at the grocery store. They can... Maybe even read a devotional. But if it's if their heart isn't really connected to God, if they don't have intimacy with Him, then we're missing a big part of that transformation process. So I wanted to write something that really talked about the heart and, like, how can we get our kids to be in, in atmospheres where they experience experience Jesus, where it's not just head knowledge, and it's not just like them acting right, so we're not embarrassed in front of their, you know our friends, but that they really, really know Jesus and have a love for Him.
1: Well, I love that you share in the introduction of this book. It's so important that our relationship with God should not be defined by legalistic checking of boxes like doing a devotional. And I remember being a young college student and having that framework and thinking that if I didn't say my prayers before I went to bed, if I didn't repent of every single sin that I had done that day, if I didn't read my Bible, and if I wasn't in church on Sunday, that somehow I was going to have to get down on my knees and pray and ask. Ask God to forgive me and start all over, right? I'm going to start all over instead of looking at it in the ebbs and flows of a relationship. And you emphasize that what we're doing is we are connecting our children with the voice of God as their heavenly father. And we know, Lauren, that God speaks to children because of the story of Samuel and God saying, yeah. you know, speaking to Samuel and in, in the night and him going to tell Eli, but realizing that God was speaking to him. And I think this is such an important concept, especially in today's world where we're living at the speed of a smartphone and our children are bombarded by voices like never before. I mean, they just have constant inundation of media and other voices that are just available to them. Whereas when we grew up, it was pretty much people in our community or maybe a president, a presidential address, you know, that overtakes the nightly news. Like there are a lot more voices here. And so talk to us about the intentionality of connecting our children with hearing God's voice in their life.
0: Yes, and I—I I, I will just be honest. There have been periods of my life, somewhat even recently, where I had to kind of pause and reflect on my own quiet time, devotional time. Like I always try to get up before the kids in the morning because I know there will be interruptions when they're up, and it, it can start to feel very transactional, even if at first it's—it's it's not. You know, it, it can start to become this habit of just like. This is what I do, and God's going to bless me if I do it. And Or we come in, and we know we only have five minutes, and it's like, okay, quick. I just need to pray about this, and God just do this for me, you know? And so I feel like we're just missing what the beauty of God wanting to be our friend. And that's why I think that Jesus calls me friend because I'm like, he wants to know the intimate details. He wants to know the little things. And we've talked to our kids about this because I was that kid woman girl who was always afraid to pray like i i went to youth group in high school but i never wanted to pray like if they said who's gonna pray i would you know look down not try to make (laughs) eye contact it was like i am not doing this and it's just kind of sad that i missed out on some of that because i didn't have the confidence and so i'm like if we can get our young kids to see that like there's no perfect prayer it's not like you need to say this thing in this order God to bless you. He just wants to talk to you. He just wants to commune with you. He wants to know about your day so you can tell him a joke. Like, we've already had our kids, like, go to your room and pray and just, like, talk to God. Tell him how you're feeling. Tell him this or that. You don't always need to just go to him when you need help. Like, you can go to him at all times and thank him and be curious with him. And so... That is, you know, kind of my heart around why I wanted to do this, because as you said, young kids can hear the voice of God. And I think, especially as we get to be adults, it's like, wait, did I hear God? Was this really him? What a beautiful gift we could give our kids if they knew at a young age, God is telling me this. You know, if we can have yeah. them really discern the voice of the Lord, and I think they do know it, we just, need to, we just need to help them see it. Because my son, I think he was only five at the time. We were thinking about moving, and we went into this house, and it was like a farmhouse, super cute structurally, but there were some things in the house that were not cute, and he felt it, you know, and he didn't really know, but he walked out, and he's like, that house did not feel right, Mm. and so we paused, and we were like, that's the voice of God. Like, you just heard God. God is speaking to you in that, and it was like, really? And I was like, yes, you felt something. Your spiritual man was connecting with the spirit of that house. And so I think if we can point out those things to our kids, they can just grow in that intimacy and how wonderful that would be.
1: I agree. You know, I remember when one of my daughters was in about the third grade and she woke up one morning on a Saturday morning and she had really, really long hair. Like she just always like, liked to do her hair in different styles and things like that. And she came up to me on a Saturday morning, just randomly had never said anything before. And she said, God told me to cut my hair off today and give it to a kid who needs it. And I was like, Oh, uh, what? <laughs> um, uh, what? But she was so confident that she was going to do that. So I started looking around. We found a place to donate for Locks of Love, and um, it may have been a different one. I don't even remember now, but we found an organization that accepted donations of hair. And she went and got her hair chopped off to her chin that day, and she was so proud holding that. And it really was convicting to me because I think kids are so much more uninhibited sometimes in what what they yeah. hear and what they're experiencing. Whereas we put as adults, put it through this social filter, like, Oh, can I say that? Like, Oh, people are going to think, what will people think? Well, they think I'm crazy as this, this sounds a little crazy. I don't know if I can say this when kids are just, that's one of the reasons why I love being a pediatric nurse and working with kids. Now in your book, Lauren, you share some of George Barna's research, which we actually are going to have George Barna on the show coming up. So stay tuned for oh, that. Are you really? That's we so exciting. Really, I know, isn't that so So exciting. So we, but you share some of his research on children's faith in relation to their age and the results that you shared were pretty thought provoking. So what did you find and how is that directing your efforts as a mom and an author who's trying to equip other moms?
0: Yeah. So in his book, Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions, he talks about the probability of people accepting Jesus as their savior. And so between the ages of 5 and 12, the likelihood, I guess, is 32%. And then that drops to 4% between 13 and 18 years old, and then 6% for people 19 and older. And so he really says that if you do not accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or embrace, he doesn't say accept, he says embrace, that the chance of doing so later is just really slim. And so I I always want to make sure that I'm not saying that statistic. And if your child is not walking with Jesus, and they are older than like a certain age, you know, God can do anything, right? He, mm-hmm. he can redeem anything. And he is there. And it's not a guarantee either. It's not like if I do X, Y, Z, then my kid will be walking with Jesus because we have free will. They they can decide, you know, if we could control our kids, we would, right? But we can't. <laughs> our kids have free will. And so I don't think it's as much about forcing them to follow Jesus. But like, are we creating atmospheres, experiences, opportunities for them to hear his voice and to walk with him? Because it's not our job to convict and to draw, that's the Holy Spirit, it, but it's our job to tell. It's our job to share. And so I think it as a mother, it's so easy, like we say for ourselves, right? It's so easy to just skip that quiet time, like, and then, we're, oh, I'll do it later, but then later never comes. And so the same thing goes with sharing Jesus with our kids, is if we don't set aside a certain time during the day, or if we're not intentional about doing it throughout the week, days, weeks, years are going to go by, and it's like, well, we'll do that when we have time, and maybe there will never be time, and so we really need to take an honest look at our schedule, too, which I know we're going to talk about later, we and are. are we putting Jesus in the cracks, or are we putting him first?
1: That is, yes, we are going to talk about finding rhythms of rest because this is something that I continually struggle with. And it's interesting, Lauren, hearing you talk about this if then kind of mentality. And I think that most of us as parents wouldn't just say that. Oh, I have this if then mentality, meaning if I do all the right things, then God will bless me. So that's how this is going to work. But God is bigger than that. And I remember hearing a quote once that if God was small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshiped. And I think of more of like a when then kind of parenting when we trust God, when we walk with him daily. Then he will be with us to navigate anything that comes our way. I mean, that really is what it is. I say this all the time. Psalm eighty-four, eleven: The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He he withholds, he gives grace and glory. He withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. And I think you know some things that we see as good. God knows are not, and some things that we, you know, think are not good, God allows for our good and for his glory. And the more that we are nourishing our own spiritual health as moms, the more that's going to be authentically translated to our kids because they yeah. do what we do, not what we say. Now, in this guide, Lauren, you share three tools reading God's word, worshiping, and praying, which Um, you know, funny enough, are already some of our 52 healthy habits that we we have adopted for this year. But how do we use these three things to build intimacy with God for our children while they are still young?
0: Yeah, so I think that these three are really, really important. Of course, there are other things that we could look at too, but I also had looked at a study, which I'm sure you've heard about. I feel like I've seen this all on social media recently, but where they surveyed 40,000 people, the Center for Bible Engagement, and they found that when people engage with their Bible four or more times, that's when their life changed. If they just engage with the Bible once a week or twice a week or three times a week, there weren't huge differences. But when it was four or more days a week, there were huge drops in loneliness and anger and feeling spiritually stagnant. And there was an increase in sharing their faith with others. And so we really do need to get our kids into God's word. And I know I said that sometimes it's great for it to be spontaneous, but other times I think we do need to have devotionals where we sit down as a family. And for our family, something that's worked, even with our youngest, who's turning five in a few weeks, we just read, we'll we'll choose like James we just went through, and we'll read two verses at a time and just say, hey, what do you think this means? You know, what do you think God's trying to tell you about this verse? How can you apply this to your life? And we take turns going two verses, two, two verses, two verses. And it's it's such a beautiful time. And I really wish we, we could do it like every day. We don't just because of our schedules. But the times that we do do it, we always find it to be so valuable. And I then when bl- it comes to...
1: Oh, go no, ahead. Go, you go ahead, Lauren. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, let me just share the, the last two. So worship... I I don't I, I do talk about again I don't want to be legalistic in our routines but I think that it's so funny my youngest sings all the time and I've noticed even my niece who's 2 year old 2 years old sings all the time like little kids just always sing right it's just part of who they are it just makes them happy and we kind of like lose that as we get older but the bible tells us to sing and so are we singing to Jesus? And I think even, it sounds like you were, one of your habits is listening to worship music, you know, mm-hmm. in the car, what are we listening to as we're making dinner? Are, do we put on worship? I think the kids are going to kind of follow our lead in this. And so if they see us worshiping God, like, I, I guess I'm a little crazy, but my kids will see me like dance and run around <laughs> and like yell. And worship in my house. And I feel like it gives them a freedom too. Like of it not just being this stuffy thing that I only do at church and I don't really know what like how I feel about it. But just have fun with your kids, laugh, dance, sing, you know, do, like, because David did that in the Bible, right? Yes. And then um lastly is is praying. And I think that as I shared before, I was always embarrassed to pray. I didn't want to pray out loud but then God really just freed me from that. And it's such a gift to be able to pray for other people and to see kids pray with confidence. And so sometimes like if we drive by and there's an accident, it's like, okay, who wants to pray? And it's just become this normal thing in our house. Or if we know we got a text or call that somebody is sick or hurt, it's like, okay, who's going to pray? And my kids have, and I'm not saying that like, you know, they're great because they know how to do this, but I think it's awesome if kids can learn how to thank Jesus how to bring the request to him, and how to put it in his hands. Like, what a beautiful thing if we can teach our kids that.
1: I agree, and I think the takeaway point here, Lauren, is that it's not about what we do. It's about how we live. And that's why it's so important to incorporate these things into just our daily routine. So they're just as normal as breathing and sleeping and and brushing our teeth and all of those things. Well, when we come back, we'll be talking about finding rhythms of rest. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
0: Podcasts of the Dr. Nurse Mama Show are available on the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to Dr. Jessica Peck on American Family Radio.
1: Well, welcome back to my conversation with Lauren Gaines. I'm telling you, I just love Lauren. She's a writer. She's a teacher. She's a mother. She's a creator of Inspired Motherhood. She inspires me. She is the author of... Unshakeable Kids, Three Keys to Raising Spiritually Strong and emotionally healthy children. So if you haven't gotten your copy of that book, you should, because it has lots of really practical encouragement, including brain builders and faith formers. And I just found it so encouraging. And before the break, we were talking about this week's healthy habit for our 52 Habits for Healthy Parenting. And that is having a daily devotional time. And again, consistency is the most important thing. You don't have to have you know, a candle burning with a specific chair and music playing and 30 minutes of uninterrupted prayer. Like it doesn't have to be like that, but are you using something? And th- Lauren has a lot of tools. So I want, uh, Lauren, tell us, first of all, before I forget where we can find you and tell us about accessing your version devotionals.
0: Yeah. So I actually have, I think it's you version devotionals now but the newest is the one we were talking about Jesus calls me friend and you can just go on the you version Bible app or my website which is inspired motherhoodcom com there's a link to get access all of this as well uh, and just search for inspired motherhood on the version app or you can search for Jesus calls me friend and it should pop up and I just I really am appreciative of YouVersion for publishing my devotionals on there because it's a great way to get a little bit of information out there and then also dive into the scripture. So, yeah. And if if you're not familiar... Connect with,
1: oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. It, it, the if you're not familiar with Version, it's great because you can sign up and say, yeah, I want to do this devotional. And then it gives you an alert every day on your phone that we all know is glued to our side and we can't live without yeah. the apps on our phone. But it says, hey, it's time to do your devotional and you can open it up and do that. And again, Lauren's newest Version devotional is called Jesus Calls Me Friend and it's free. So whatever, but wherever you get a devotional, I encourage you to adopt that as part of your routine whether it's morning whether you do it at lunchtime whether you do it on a walk after work or before you go to bed find that five minutes start just start small Find five minutes every day that you can spend time with the Lord. And like Lauren said, the research shows four times a week, and you will start to see some dividends on that. Consistency is so important. Well, Lauren, one thing that you've been talking a lot about on your social media and that you do talk about in your book, Unshakable Kids, is finding rhythms of rest. And let me tell you, this is something that is very hard for me. I am wired in personality and temperament to be a pedal to the metal kind of girl. I love to go and it is hard for me to find rest. And I think, you know, in this, uh, in this day and age, we had another author, one of your friends, actually, Christy bolware who said we wear hurry, like a badge of honor. And it is not, I mean, we kind of brag about, I got so much done today. I got all of this done. And we talk about these task oriented things, but it really is that busyness is a problem problem. So tell us why it's such a problem.
0: Oh, yes, this is, I am the same way, something I've struggled with, really most of my life and didn't even realize that much until I wrote this book, truthfully, because I knew I needed a section on how to walk out this at home, because I gave tools on how to raise spiritually and emotionally healthy kids. And I was like, okay, but on the day-to-day, how do we walk this out? So I knew there needed to be chapters on the home and on our rhythms and our schedules. And then I really started to look at my own and was like, wow, I've always kind of just like done the extra thing. Like I swam competitively in college, took all the the heart. I was a double major. And then I also decided to get a job at the Career and Development Center. Like why I did that, I have no idea. I think it was just, it, part of me, you know, and I love checking things off my list. I love doing, but the we don't we need rest. The Bible tells us we need rest, right? Jesus was busy, but he was also very intentional, and there were many times where he would go out and be alone and have that quiet time with God, and you know God even resting on the seventh day of creation, like God doesn't need to rest, but they showed us. How to rest as a guideline, as a map, because our bodies, our spirit, woman or man, need rest, and we miss out on a lot of that fulfillment that God really wants us to do when we just busy ourselves with with things that, like, maybe aren't even that important.
1: It's so true. And you quoted from a book by uh, by an author named John Mark Homer, who said that he asked himself the following questions: Where are we spending our time? What are we telling our kids explicitly and implicitly about what's important in life? And are we spending our days fulfilling the mission God called us to or with busyness so we feel productive? I'm telling you, Lauren, that was really convicting to me because I think sometimes you know we look at what we can do. On a worldly stage, you know, what we can do to make ourselves feel important or accomplished or just, you know, doing what we need to do, and we miss out on God's plan for that. And I love one of the things I love in your book is the mind-body connection, which we know that God made our minds and God made our bodies. And you talk about the nerve called the vagus nerve, the longest nerve in our bodies, and that when it's stimulated, is designed to bring us rest and relaxation. And you say, The vagus nerve is a super highway that communicates information from our brain to our gut and back from our gut to our brain. And you talk about three ways that we can, uh, that we can implement this mind body connection to slow down and to be quiet and to have some of that relaxation. So share with us those three things.
0: Yes. And I really had to learn this truthfully because it started to catch up with me. I guess like the realization of like, this busyness is not good is I started having digestive problems and went to doctors and they're like, I think you're addicted to stress. I think maybe you don't know how to slow down. I'm like, what? No. And then when I took an honest look, I was like, okay, they're right. And so three things that you can do yourself as the parent, but also your kids can do Mm -hmm. are taking deep breaths. And I know that sounds so silly. And I used to be like, whatever. Okay. That doesn't really work. But then when I actually did it and tried to do like the box breathing where you breathe in Mm -hmm. and where you hold and where you breathe out and you hold again, I was like, wow, when was the last time I really just paused and allowed myself a true deep breath? It's been a while. And then also singing this, the coolest thing I, we talked a little bit about singing before is something happens when we sing. And I just think God is so amazing, right? And how he made our bodies. Like we truly are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I don't even think we understand everything and how God made us. But when we sing, it relaxes our body. It's telling our nervous system to rest. And so singing, humming, those are all great ways to worship God and, you know, help your spiritual man, but also help your physical body. And then, Lastly is meditation, and I do have kind of, I guess, like a disclaimer. I do think we need to be careful about some of the the new age things that are out there, right? And, but throughout the Bible, we see that God tells us, like Philippians 4, 8, to think about things that are lovely and pure and excellent. So he knows that when our minds are focused on him and on heavenly things, something shifts. And so I think it's valuable to learn how to calm our minds and to just focus on Jesus and to turn everything else off and even for our kids there's I think it's the Abide app I you do have to have a subscription for it but they also have some meditations on YouTube that are free and it's a Christian app app and they have great meditations for kids and adults that just are soothing and really if you just struggle with pausing it helps you, it kind of like forces you to slow down and to just calm your mind.
1: Well, what you shared as something about singing and I love this because I was part of a church choir for a long, long time, even directed one once upon a time. And we talked last week about hymns. Actually on my Ask Dr. Nurse Mama Friday show, we talked about the value of corporate singing. So I wanted to share some of the research you shared about choir singers and these researchers found that as the choir sang together, the people in the choir, okay, get ready for this, their heartbeats began to synchronize. And as the choir members sang in unison, their pulses rose and fell. At the same rate, I think that is absolutely amazing because we talked about the value of corporate singing and really just coming together with a body of believers saying, okay, we're lifting this up together and singing and singing to each other and singing corporately or singing by ourselves. Like the fact that it can impact our bodies like that, I think is completely amazing You also talk Lauren about restful routines, and we're talking about routines and rhythms. And in one of these brain builders that you have in your book, you encourage the readers to take an inventory of your rest by asking yourself the following questions. And I'm going to ask these questions of our listeners right now. They're going to step on some toes, um, primarily mine. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) When you have free time, what do you fill the time with? Does it leave you feeling better or worse than when you started? What parts of your day feel rushed? What parts of your day feel restful? What activities help you and your family thrive? What activities bring your family stress or dread? And what values do you want to prioritize in your home? I'll share with you, Lauren, that not too long ago, I had my sister on as a guest and she talked about her healing journey from uh, trauma and addiction and some things that she had been through. But when she really started this, one thing that she did was that she stopped watching any screens. She didn't watch any movies, any TV shows. There was no Netflix. There was no television, no nothing. And she said that she was stunned by the silence and it just kind of took her a while to figure out like, what do people do with their time? And she started to realize how much time and energy that she had to read or to spend with her kids or to take a walk or to just be quiet. And I feel really convicted, Lauren, that we are so we are addicted to our phones. We really are. And we talk about yeah. that a lot, but you can't even, you know, wait in the carpool line to pick up your kids without looking and seeing every mom in the line on their phone. Like if you're waiting five minutes for fast food, for crying out loud, you'll pick up your phone and you'll start scrolling through because we cannot ever let our minds rest. And they're just feasting on nothingness there's just nothing I was thinking about that when this says how do you feel after you do that activity well does it feel better after you've just numbed yourself out on a screen Uh, I don't know but you you offer a positive alternative it's not all doom and gloom you offer three you offer three practical tools to bring peace to your family's routine so what are those Lauren
0: yes and uh the struggle is real. Seriously. Even if you acknowledge that with the phone, I mean, sometimes like I found myself a couple months ago, even at this one stoplight that took just a little bit longer than the others, like to grab my phone. It's like, this is so ridiculous. And so I think we do need to give ourselves some grace, like the phones, the way they are designed are meant to be addicting. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I think we really do need to be honest and give it to Jesus and be open enough to hear his response of like, what do I do with this Lord, you know? And so that's kind of what I want people to do in this, why I wrote this chapter. It's like enough to just pause and assess and say like, what is happening Lord? And is this what I really want? You know, because I think sometimes we just start habits that we don't really intend to start, but it becomes a habit. And then sooner or later it becomes our life. And it's like, how did I get here? And so I think if we can learn to just pause and give ourselves boundaries with time. So knowing, like, having maybe a day of Sabbath rest or having, like, okay, Sunday afternoons, we're not going to do any screens as a family. We're going to play family games, we're going to read, or we're just going to listen to music and, like, be together. So I think each family it's going to look different. Like, my routine and my uh, rhythms shouldn't look like yours. But I think it's important to ask ourselves, What are we doing to rest? Like, do we have a rest day? Are we doing sports every day of the week? What are we doing to slow down? And then secondly, learning to practice soul care. And so Instagram tells us that, you know, I think Instagram agrees, right? Like, we need a break. We're we're overstimulated. We're overwhelmed. But the answers are like, binge this show on Netflix or go shopping or, you know, uh, take a bubble bath. And those things, while they may temporarily make us feel good and like going for a walk or taking a bath, like those aren't bad things. But that's not really what our, our soul is craving. Our soul is craving time with our Savior. And it why that feels like the least appealing option, When it's like, what should I be doing right now? It's like, I should probably just spend time with God, and you're like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't know why. I guess it's the devil, right? I'm not sure why that feels so easy to put off, but I think Jesus is the only place where we're going to find true rest.
1: I and then agree. lastly, is quiet time finding quiet time. Yep, yes. Which we've
0: kind of talked about already.
1: Which I cannot believe because we are at the end of our time together. How in the world can that be? Lauren, I could talk to you all day, every day. It is just such a delight to hear your heart for the Lord and for uh, everything that you've done just to encourage and equip. and inspire motherhood so don't forget you can find her at inspired-motherhood.com or you can find her at inspired motherhood on instagram and you can see all of those you version things that you have get your copy of unshakable kids and we'll see you tomorrow